0: Well, over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be doing a series on, uh, from the message from the, the Holy Spirit. Um, over the next two weeks, uh, Steve will preach and uh, Mike Simpson will preach, and that'll be about the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus and in the New Testament church. And um, the next message after that will be beyond that, to t- today's life, our world. Um, I have the um, honour of presenting to you something about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament so um let's pray father god we thank you so much that uh you are alive and well we thank you that those rumors that you're gone that you're obsolete that you're dead are, are irrelevant that, are, that they're spurious that they're made up dreams of people who don't know you and lord uh, we thank you that you're alive Lord, we pray for those people that they would come to know you that they would understand the truth of jesus christ and the gospel that is preached and that lord they would reach out to their creator and know you and lord as we speak this word as we open your bible as we look at the scriptures as we consider the ministry of the spirit in the old testament lord uh just pray that you would uh, uh give me your words that you would quicken my thoughts and that lord you would prepare our hearts and minds to hear your word for us today in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start in a weird place, um, but if you bear with me, there is, a, there is a purpose to it. There is a reason why I'm starting here. Through the week, I was uh, just uh, reading over this idea and, and uh, thinking through issues, and uh, we're starting with a, pl- a thing called hypothymesia. You know, I, I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly. Hypothermesia. Hypothermesia is a neurological disorder that leads people to be able to remember much more than the average person. Uh, People with hypothermesia remember an abnormally vast number of their life experiences. It's a neurological disorder to remember too well. How's that? And there are auditory processing disorders. One is a, an orientation to acoustic stimuli. These are a bit technical because I've just taken them straight off, things I've found. So, a, orientation to acoustic stimuli, orientation to the source of sound is a precursor to being able to focus on a sound source and selectively choose to attend to it or ignore it. An auditory stimulus bound effect... Stimulus-bound effect describes the ability to ignore irrelevant auditory stimuli in the immediate environment. So see, it's, um, it's a good thing when we can tune people out. That's what it's saying. It says healthy people can tune things out that are irrelevant. So for those who are married, you add the one and one together, two and two together. It's okay sometimes to forget things that the other one said. It's okay sometimes to tune them out. That's a healthy thing. It's unhealthy to hear everything and to remember everything. That's a disorder. (laughs) Healthy people, we can see things but not take them in because they're not our focus. Uh, I work at uh, Flinders College and I'm in the maintenance department and we have sometimes a storage of furniture. If People go, I don't need that bookshelf anymore. We put it into a little storeroom. And then two months later someone comes up to you and says, do you have a bookshelf in the storeroom? And you go, look, I'll go down and check. Because, see, it's irrelevant to me for the last two months that there's a bookshelf in that storeroom. Somewhere in the back of your brain you sort of... You might know it's there, but you have to go down there, open the door, walk in, search through the things and go, yes, I do have one. Healthy people can ignore background noise and they can focus their hearing onto specific sounds. We can orient ourselves to hearing someone when they speak, when we're at a party. We don't talk about this being the cocktail something I forget now when I was reading it through the day, through the week, but it's the idea that at a cocktail party, people who can't do it can't hear anything because all the sounds rush into their ears equally and there's no ability to distinguish between them and the whole thing just becomes a rabble. Um, An example of that, say, for us is we, we tune our radios, don't we? Can you imagine turning your radio on at home and every single radio station... Came out at the same time. What would, you, what would you get from it? Can you imagine if our, our TV, we turned that on and all the channels were there at the same time, talking at the same volume with all their pictures overlaid over one another? We need to be able to distinguish to get clarity. I would say that the, um, the Holy Spirit's not a New Testament phenomenon. And sometimes we can tend to see um, the dynamic things that happened in the New Testament and sort of think that really is the, that's the high point for him. That's the place where he really shines and that's the, the height of his ministry. And the others are just the shoulder or low peak areas. And there's not really much going on in the Old Testament, not much that goes on beyond the New Testament. There are certainly sometimes. Um, when I was a child within the churches, there was a, a sense of belief at times that the Holy Spirit was here, but the Holy Spirit's main ministry was until the, the bringing together of Scripture. And now we rely on Scripture, and the Holy Spirit isn't required as much. And I would just say that the Holy Spirit is, uh, has always been there and always will be here. And his ministry has been consistent throughout all time. And that's something we need to tune into. here. hear. We need to be able to orient ourselves to hearing the Spirit, seeing the work, seeing who he is and the role he has in our lives. The question is, what are we looking for? What are we listening for? That's what we'll see and what we'll hear. If we tend to think that he's not there then we just will gloss over those areas we can tend to sometimes look at the old testament and see god as just being very judgmental and harsh but if we look at the scriptures the old testament scriptures and we bring uh, an attitude to seeing grace you know what we're going to see grace because i know that there's grace throughout the old testament but we tend to focus on it being a time when there was judgment and destruction and we tend to see the new testament as the you know where grace came in but it's not true it depends how we we look one of the first things that we're hit with in the scriptures is the trinity of god Um, and we'll just if you're not certain of what that is we'll just take a moment to think about that language basics in hebrew i remember going through bible college and i was so glad the year i started in Sydney uh, with the Church of Christ College, they they stopped making it compulsory to do four years of Greek and you just had to do an introductory course to Hebrew and Greek and if you wanted to do it further you could but uh, you didn't have to. They found that ministers five years after they came out of um, Bible College about 80% of them couldn't read what they read so they went well let's not waste our time teaching them something they don't need let's learn things that were going to help in ministry. So I just got the introductory introductory Greek we um, we would hear the term seraph as about angels or cherub and seraphim or cherubim now it's important for us to realize that that i m on the end of those words is the hebrew plural that's our s that's our es when we're going to class or when we're going to classes does that make sense that's their plural in genesis 1:1 we read these words in the beginning god and in the hebrew the word that's used is elohim and if I don't know if you recognize it there but the end of that word is i am And it's that sense of plurality, of multiple. That God, when he presents himself from the very beginning of time in the Scriptures, says, I'm more than one. I'm more than a single. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in Genesis 1-2, we continue to read, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters this is a reference in verse 2 to the Holy Spirit that there right at the beginning of all things was the Holy Spirit and throughout the scriptures we we hear um, many prophecies about the coming Christ the Messiah and uh, we jump down I'll just jump down to read these few words from John chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3. And the passage goes on further, but I won't read all of that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And as we read through that scripture, we know that John is talking about Jesus Christ. messiah and here we have this picture of the trinity the three in one that we speak about within the christian church now we need to keep this um, balanced or intention with uh, the words spoken in deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 and god says through moses hear o israel the lord our god the Lord is one. So there's, there's something there that we don't, I can't quite comprehend. In fact, it's a lot can't comprehend. It doesn't quite make sense to me. But you know that, that that same term, the Lord is one, is the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, to say that a man and wife will become one flesh. It's the same term. When God says, "Behold, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." A man and wife will become one flesh, is the same term that's used within the scriptures. So there is this idea of um, God being one, but being multiple, being the Trinity. Um, one thing that's sort of helped me through the years, and I don't know whether this is helpful. Um, or, or really not helpful to you, but anyway, I'm just going to go with it. But something I've learned through uh, my life growing up was just a simple illustration that doesn't quite hit the mark, but it's probably the closest that I can get to it. And it's the idea of an illustration of H2O. The H2O in a room temperature is in a liquid form. The H2O, when it's uh, heated, turns to steam. The H2O, when it's put in a freezer, turns to ice. That helps me a little bit to think the idea that this one um, item can be experienced and can represent and present itself in different ways. And, and that doesn't really hit the mark with God, because he's so much bigger. But it, it helps me a little bit with the idea that somehow God is three and He is one. And it's critical for us to recognize. The Holy Spirit within the Godhead. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament says to us straight there that uh, the Holy Spirit was integral to the creation of the heavens and the earth. I read it before, i read it again. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The um, Amplified Bible uses the term brooding as an option. And it's that idea of being over and forming. And the second uh, section we would pick up, um, still in Genesis 21, is that the Holy Spirit was integral to the creation of people, of mankind. Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. I looked it up and I tried to understand it and I couldn't get it, but people who are much smarter than me and much more theologically trained, as I read through, said this, that's a specific reference to the Spirit of God. Um, what I'm looking for is a simple word because I don't understand it well enough because in the Old Testament ruach or ruach is a word that's used for the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit that word's not used in that section now but I'm trusting theologians who've spent years training who know this stuff so much better than me and they would tell me um, that that refers to the Holy Spirit and so there we see the Holy Spirit integral to the creation of people if you're in uh, a bible study group i would encourage you to go to one because i sort of downloaded some material from online from a fellow named john piper and um, i I can't take the time to go through all the material he does but it's it's below my message and i'll send that out and that'll be there for the life groups and We can look at that in a bit more detail in those groups if you'd like to. The next idea that, uh, that came through as I read through this was the Holy Spirit provides wisdom and insight. And in Genesis 41, verse 38, we read these words, Then Pharaoh said, Can we find anyone like this man? He's speaking about Joseph. One in whom is the Spirit of God. Isn't that amazing that a person who isn't even close to God can recognise the Spirit of God resting upon his ministry? Um, I specifically chose these couple in about wisdom and insight because they they weren't, there's another one I've got, they weren't people who are the prophets in the Old Testament. And you could look at the prophets in the Old Testament, see the way the Spirit works through them and gives them wisdom and knowledge and insight. But I want to pick two people who are a bit out of the... Left field, you know. We find that that is relating to um, Pharaoh having his visions, his dreams, in which there was seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And the skinny cows ate the fat cows. And he, he was looking for, what's this about? And through that passage, through that story, we see that Joseph is brought to him. And he says, oh, look, that's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. We need to prepare for it. And Pharaoh's been trying to find people within his own uh, hierarchy, within his own circles, to tell him what these dreams mean because he knows there's something about them. And they can't give him an answer. And Joseph walks in and says, this is what it means. And Pharaoh says, wow, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Numbers uh, 4 verse 2, I'll just read this one verse out. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came upon him and he spoke his message. Now, Balaam was a a prophet, um, but really he was a prophet for hire to some extent. And Balak was someone who wanted to stand against Israel, who wanted to fight them and destroy them. And he wanted Balaam to bring down curses upon Israel so that he could win a war against them. And he repeatedly goes to Balaam and says, come and curse them for me. And he says, no, God won't let me go. And then it gets to this point where uh, Balaam's been lured into going um, by his own choice. I think he gets offered too much money probably. But God says, Roddy, you can go, but you're going to say only what I say. And Balak Balak gets him to different places and he says, I want you to call down a curse on them. And he he says a a word of blessing. He goes, what are you doing? I'm paying you to curse them. And uh, eventually, on a third occasion, he takes him to this high place and he says, now curse them. And that's this section. And Balam looked down upon them and he saw Israel encamped around tribe by tribe And the Spirit of God came upon him and he spoke his message and it was a message of blessing. The Spirit of God at work giving wisdom, insight and words of knowledge. Even through people who uh, may not be the prophets of Israel. The prophets that um, are, are... I suppose, um, on the good side, for simple terms. The next idea is that the Holy Spirit equips and enables people for God's service. Exodus 31, 1-5, to I'll read those few verses. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, all kinds of skills. And he builds all the... um, I should have written this stuff down. My memory sort of sometimes fails me. He built all the material for inside the tabernacle. I couldn't find the right word. But he says straight there, and I filled him with the Spirit of God. Again, this is the Holy Spirit that is being referred to. It's the Holy Spirit who enables him to do all this work that gives him the skill that's required. In Judges 14.6, again, a bit out of left field, this one, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, that is Samson, so that he tore the lion apart. This, this is something we see in the life of Samson as one of the judges of Israel, that God gave him magnificent power power that's beyond mankind it wasn't just that somehow he did more weights than other people he'd been to Sally's fitness classes and was at the super high end of the uh, advanced classes it was to do with his Nazarite vows that uh, his hair had never been cut that's what he tells us in the scriptures that's what we learn, isn't it and then when his hair is cut the spirit of God leaves him and his power is gone bit unusual I'd be very weak because not much hair left but um, there it is again the spirit of God empowering people for service and if we looked at the scriptures we would see maybe some more um, everyday normal sort of ideas about the way God empowers people through the scriptures please look there And then in Joel 2, 28 and 29, the Holy Spirit is promised to all, to us. And afterward, Joel says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then we jump forward to Acts 2. I'll just read a few verses from there. Then Peter stood up. This is on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. The people saw what was happening on the day of Pentecost and they saw the the empowerment of the Spirit upon um, the apostles, upon the disciples, and they went, they're drunk, look at them. There's something going crazy with them. And that's when Peter speaks. And uh, this is the fruition, this is the culmination of that word spoken by Joel and recognised by other prophets in the Old Testament that as much as the Holy Spirit had been there and working and ministering, there would be an outpouring in the last days. And Peter says, you know what? These are those last days, guys. It's important for us to recognise the ministry of the Spirit in the Old Testament because his ministry continues on. It wasn't confined to one little space in the New Testament. His ministry was throughout time eternal and will continue throughout time eternal. The Holy Spirit is alive today and for all time. It's essential that we recognise his presence and activity in our world and our lives. That's why it's important for us to understand the way he worked within the Old Testament. Jesus says that he sends the Holy Spirit as a counsellor to be with us, to teach and guide us. Let's read to you a couple of passages from the New Testament. John 14, 26. All this I have spoken while still with you. He's speaking to his disciples. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So we see that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And in John 16, from verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And that all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And here we have again this idea of the Trinity presented to us. The Old Testament testifies that he brings life and order, that he empowers, enables and directs God's servants and by Joel's prophecy, this is now our state. The question I'd like to leave with you is, as healthy people, do we look and listen for him? Have we oriented ourselves towards the ministry of the Spirit? Do we choose to ignore irrelevant noise that distracts us from hearing him? Have we tuned our stations, our TV, to see and hear his work and word today? Because that's the only way we're going to see him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that uh, you are present in this world. And we thank you that uh, even though we quite can't comprehend the Trinity, we recognise that you work as God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that we would embrace that Trinity, that we would embrace the Godhead, that we would recognise the importance of understanding that we um, interact with you as a whole. But Lord, we wouldn't just focus on one facet of you. Lord, I pray that you would help us um, to honour the full Godhead, that we would orient ourselves towards the Spirit, that we would be ready to hear his words, because we know, Lord, that they come from you. Jesus tells us that. We pray that we would be ready to see the work that he's in and that we would be ready to be involved in that, that we would join in. And Lord, as we uh, recognise um, that the Spirit has been always and that he will be always that he has a place in our lives in our ministry for your glory amen